Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today, I hope people who want to run hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And we have a special guest today, Mr. James Rowe. Um, should I address you director of ARC, James Rowe? Is that no, right? you could just say James. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you, you are uh, uh, the... So what is your title? Founder, director... Yeah, yeah. Uh, founder, director. Um, there are a couple other people that were really there in the, the beginning stages of mm. it, but uh, I've, I've basically assumed responsibility of what a director does. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, b- before we get into the whole ARC part of your journey, I, I did kind of want to take a step back to kind of pull the curtains and figure out what makes James Rowe James Rowe, right? Because mm. I feel like you in our community in Atlanta amongst the Korean Americans, you have a kind of drive and you have kind of a, even, even kind of the operational know-how to do a lot of things. And it, whether that's because you know how to do it yourself or you know who to reach out to, to do it. Um, I, I feel like that's kind of rare um, amongst people that, that at least I know a lot of people, there are a lot of dreamers out there, but they don't really know how to execute. But I feel like you you kind of are a visionary who does know how to execute. So for the benefit of the people who are uh, one or the other and they want to be more complete like you, um, let's kind of, yeah, take it back to your upbringing to kind of see if we can figure out what makes you tick and, and what makes you the way that you are. Is that OK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. Yeah. So let's just kind of go back to your childhood. Like what, what kind of environment that you grew up in? Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I was actually born in L.A., and I lived there till about 11, when I was 11. What part of L.A.? Uh, Granada Hills. Okay. It's I, right, right north of the city. I grew up in uh, Torrance, which is oh, kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, you get, you get. Uh, so, yeah, I, I grew up in L.A., and uh, my family moved around a lot, mm. for sure. Uh, my dad switched jobs several times, and my mom, like, she actually surrendered like her nursing career like coming from korea to the states wow. and so they were trying to figure out what to do like with their careers here in the states and um, with me and my brother being born uh, mm. in the early 90s just trying to reshift everything as a family mm. and so I, my my memories of of being a child i just remember going from place a to place b like we lived with my cousins for a while uh, it, it wasn't very steady in terms of like living location, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that was pretty much w- the main thing that I, if you were to ask me like right now, what's the first thing you remember? Uh, I would say moving around a lot. Um, early days, my parents, m- like much, like most, uh, first gen Korean Americans, like attended church to mm. kind of receive that community right. experience with other people in similar situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did your parents do? Uh, so my dad was a mechanic mm. for Lexus. So that's what he did when he was in California. And my mom, she was a nurse in Korea. But when she came here, she she took care of me and my brother, Jason. Gotcha. And so she she didn't really have a job other than to really support and, and watch over us mm. while my dad was working. So, so I, I wanted to ask this question because I kind of know because... Around the time you were in L.A., I was probably in L.A. too. Yeah, yeah. But we, when we moved from Korea to L.A., it was maybe five or 
somewhere between five and ten years right after the la riots la riots yeah yeah did yeah. that kind of influence or did that have any impact on your psyche at all uh, i mean i it? was i think i was literally literally like one uh, one or two so yeah it didn't directly influence my life but mm-hmm. i have talked to my parents about it before and especially now looking back i can really see and and kind of place like all my events in my early childhood mm. and compare it to, to where my parents were and kind of just get an idea of how difficult times might have been, mm. not just for them, but for for immigrants, for, for minorities. So, yeah, it definitely put things into perspective. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, the, the aftermath of the L.A. riots was a lot of racial tension between the Korean community right, and right. the African-American community. Yeah, yeah, and for so, sure. Yeah, I when I moved, all my cousins were like, of all the places that you guys can go to, you're going to go to the one area where you might become a target. Um, so we, we, yeah, they just, I didn't really know what was happening. Right. But right. I, I think just like you, when I look back, I can kind of see, okay, the things that happened kind of did happen. And it makes sense that it happened after the, the right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So your, your parents probably, I mean, it sounds like your dad was a, he just hustled, right? He as a, as a mechanic and oh yeah, yeah for sure. I I, I remember my dad just always always working. Mm. And uh, one characteristic I I appreciate about my dad a lot is, you know, just he's just the quiet worker. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't uh, he doesn't talk much, but I, I always see him working hard, waking up early, and just doing what it takes to to provide for the family mm. yeah i don't want to take anything away from your mom because yeah, you know, yeah raising yeah. two yeah. boys for is, sure uh, for sure because my mom was also a stay-at-home mom taking care of me and my brother yeah 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 and yeah that's it's, the reason why i <laughs> want daughters only <laughs> i don't want sons because i i know what we did to her um but yeah so then you guys first uh were in la what was the catalyst to coming to georgia and how did that happen so my parents just wanted, well, it ha- happened initially because my dad had an opportunity to transfer jobs over mm-hmm. to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, they saw it also as an opportunity to kind of start new and, and kind of get J- me and Jason into like a good school system. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what happened. My dad transferred facilities from the, the Cali Lexus over to, to Atlanta. What, how old were you when the move happened? I was 11. 11? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, right at middle school-ish? Yeah, middle, middle school-ish. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, did you grow up here? No, I'm sorry. That was elementary school. More element. Yeah. I went to... Right, right, I went right. to... I attended May, uh, Davis Elementary, which okay. was uh, in fourth grade. Fourth grade. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then after you guys moved... Um, were you just in the same area until now or no so we initially this is where we lived with our cousins for a mm. little bit so we stayed with my my dad's sister mm-hmm. so that was another incentive too is that we had family in georgia in mm. addition to to california so uh, we lived with our cousins for a little bit uh, and then we moved over to to roswell area mm-hmm. and then it was marietta where we kind of stayed for the long run right uh, my parents established a, a cafe business there so at one point my oh. dad actually quit his job as a mechanic and it was a, a business opportunity for him and my mom to get this cafe running mm. which is in kennesaw okay 
Yeah. Are they still operating this now? They actually just sold it last year. Oh wow! Yeah, so pretty pretty recent. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are they like retiring or are they gonna? Try uh, they're they're pretty much retired, but mm-hmm. my dad is still trying to find like some work here and there because you know just to to really fill his time and um, he's not really like the stay at home type of dad right and, right and with my mom too so yeah uh it, it's a lot less pressure for sure though to kind of just do what they want to and kind of picking up part times here and there yeah and they don't really have to support you guys because you guys are all grown yeah right? yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> that empty nester life yeah, I, yeah i'm really glad we we kind of talked about your childhood because from what little we talked about just now i can see elements of what influenced you to become the, the person you are today mm-hmm. like your your parents kind of uh, the hard work ethic, right? And your your parents want to create with the, the cafe and things like that, and mm-hmm. and community because you relied on on family a lot. Like all right, th- right. those three aspects, I feel like are all kind of uh, pillars in 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 at least from my perspective, my opinion. That those are pillars of what ARC has become, right? Mm. Um, because hard work ethic, community, and, and creating spaces. That's would you say that that those are kind of the main things that um, ARC has done so far? Yeah, for sure. I, at least I, I hope it has done uh, to to really create a platform where people can come together mm. to build together, to build relationships and yeah, just create that experience for others. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I think I kind of got ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so um, going from uh, where you were when you had first moved here, did you... I, I, so I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to give context. For a stretch of time, you were the youth pa- director? Yeah, at, yeah. At, uh, was it GCC? Uh, yeah, it was at, no, not GCC. It was at um, God's, God's Will Love. It was okay. at GWLC, God's uh-huh. Will Love Church. Oh, right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, so did you immediately start going to church um, when you guys first moved to Georgia? And did you kind of build up to that? Or how was kind of your faith journey in this in this? Yeah, so my my faith journey, I, I grew up in the Korean American church back when my parents were still in LA, in LA right? and we all lived there. And then when we came to the States, uh, my first church experience was at a place called Elm mm. in Marietta, which mm-hmm. I, I think they changed the name now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I actually met like Junie Peck and, and uh, just a lot of, you know, other people that are from the Marietta, the Marietta area, the Ben Chong's, yeah. you know, Jonathan Choi. Yeah. Um, so that I, I went there for uh, about, it's been, I went there until like middle school mm. time, maybe like eighth grade ish. Mm-hmm. And then we moved churches to GWLC where I eventually like started my journey as like kind of leading and directing youth kids mm. at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ellen was the first place. You know, oh, that's funny because we kind of have a connecting point there in our lives. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because uh, at the time, I believe, I forget what was the reason, but uh, I went to Hanbit, Kyoe, and there was, a, there was a point of period where I think we did a joint retreat together or something where yeah. for some reason our churches, youth groups came together and, and we did things. Right, right. And um, yeah, I was there. You were probably there. I remember Chuni being there because I just remember thinking, oh, he's not Korean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. yeah. I, I think that was during middle school years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was it because of Pastor Ralph? Ralph. Yeah. yeah was it? Yeah. 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 Ralph. That yeah. was the name. Yeah yeah. 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 Wow. And then so um, in high school, is that when you went to GWLC? In high school, I was in at G- GWLC. Mm-hmm. 
and then yeah and then i switched over like it was really at like my grad school years mm. when i was at emory for mm. pt uh, i i attended emmanuel and that was like that i consider as like really my first like full-blown like youth director mm. thing yeah because like you were doing sermons you were doing all the events coordinations and all that yeah right? yeah i was just uh i was really doing everything what like a pastor would do i guess yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything except the title right except the title yeah, yeah. yeah. um so wow that's well, first, before we go on, I want to commend you for that because I know a lot of Korean churches need that. I don't know if the listeners listeners know, but the Korean American church, it's usually split between Korean ministry, the language, Korean language ministry, and English ministry. And right. the English ministry tends to get neglected a lot because that's not where a lot of the finances come in. Right. So, yeah, most EMs or English ministries don't have the resources to hire pastors and, and things like that. So um, people who just step up to say, hey, I'll I'll take on the role. I think they're always uh, yeah, super admirable. Yeah, so yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, during that time, do you feel like you've acquired skills and things like that that would eventually help you in setting up ARC as a youth director? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think being in that position by default, it, it positioned me to constantly be at the seat of innovation, whether mm. it required me to create like a little, you know, like a lesson for, for kids or create events, like curate experiences, mm. um, just, just be responsible for, for an event in general. Right. Um, that definitely like I, w- I was immersed in that for several years. Mm. It, it just happened to be so in the, the church context. Mm. Um, but yeah, very similar elements for sure of what um, I believe that that really helped me like get ideas and, and launch what ARC is now mm. is it, it required the same experiences of creating events, creating experiences and just learning how to like manage relationships and with people and all that. And would you yeah. say your your faith influences your because without asking you yeah. if i had to guess what your passion was i mm-hmm. would say that guy's really passionate about building community or like bringing people together and doing things right mm-hmm. would you say your faith kind of influenced that or is that just a is that something kind of separate uh i i definitely see it as the them coexisting in the same lane i think mm. uh my my passion really influenced my faith and and i also believe my faith really influenced my passion mm. Um, yeah, just because I, I believe that as, as a believer, as someone who, um, who has faith in Jesus, like, I, I believe that we are to, to be a light, like yeah. in our communities, we are to be, um, be somebody that, that really attracts people like to, to truth, to mm-hmm. light. And, and, and it might not be like in such a direct way as like, Hey, come to Sunday service. But, um, I believe in the power of creating opportunities to, to open up conversations and, you know, not that I have like an ulterior motive, like mm-hmm. with, with ARC or with any of this stuff, but, um, I think what the world needs and what society needs is just a, a platform where people can, can just build together and yeah. just, have have that experience where they they are loved they feel loved and uh they can reach out and love others too that's great that's awesome so um yeah sorry i might be jumping around a little bit but 
No, I think I'm pretty. No, no you get. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, yeah, with um, your your so you you had your kind of youth director days, but you've since kind of stepped away from that more more of that official leadership role. To you're kind of more of a lay servant now, right? Mm-hmm. And can can you talk about that a little bit? How that transition happened, and and the influence of ARC in that whole yeah transition. Yeah. So I mean, it was very. It was very difficult of a transition, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I actually like consulted a lot of people who I look up to and see as mentors mm-hmm. um, because it, it was really difficult for me to come from a place where, like, that's all I knew. Uh, right. Growing up in in the church, like, I actually identified. I I realized that I identified a lot of my faith in being a Korean American Christian. Mm. And when I became a Korean American Christian leader, a lot of my identities of leadership and learning how to uh, just just lead people in general, uh, my, my identity shifted into that as well, mm. like my faith identity. So uh, a lot of like just emotional and mental ties mm. to the Korean church context. Uh, and it, it really, for me, it, it breeded it bred a lot of just comfort and, and familiar situations that um, I felt like I needed to, to step out of to really take the next step mm. in growth. So uh, because of that, it was really difficult for me to just go from being a leader and having my faith identified in that to stepping down and like intentionally not doing the right. responsibilities and completing those those things mm. that are expected of me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wasn't easy, but uh, it was definitely a process that I had to just take one step at a time. And I feel like even now to this day, I'm still like figuring things out as, yeah. as I go along. Um, but when that translated ultimately into like my role into ARC, like for sure it, it played a role too, is mm-hmm. that it, uh, you know, for one, I was able to exercise leadership just in a different context Mm -hmm. and where my role of faith kind of played in that picture, uh, that, that bridge was what was difficult for me as well. Um, Mm. is how, what does it look like to be in the leader of community when you're not a Korean American church pastor or director or leader, you know? Um, and so, yeah, in, in a lot of ways I felt because of that kind of like, I don't know. I, I got I got really like almost depressed because of it yeah. because I, I it was almost like an identity crisis that I was having of not being able to associate or really disassociate like the two and kind of bring them together. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I just want to make this clear: it's not like you've renounced your faith or anything like that, right? You you still are a firm believer in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Firm believer. It's just more of knowing my role and how yeah. to execute that role and how to communicate it to people around me. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really important for, for the Christian listeners out there um, who think that their faith is tied to what they do for the church only. Right. I think that's a kind of an unhealthy way to look at serving. Um, if there's a passion, if there's something that God's calling you to do outside of the church, I think that's a calling as well. Um, right. And so yeah, I'm actually really glad we talked about that because I mean, I don't know if anyone has, but some people can. I feel like there are people out there who might think, oh, he was so involved in the church. 
but he's not really anymore. What does that mean about his faith? Right, right, right. <laughs> and just want to make it clear, set the record straight. It means nothing about his faith. It's, it just means that you're you've shifted and, and you're you're chasing your your calling in different ways. Right, right, right. Outside of the four walls of the church context. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make that sure, make yeah, yeah, that clear. Because yeah. um, I, I knew I knew that it had no impact on your faith, but I just want to make sure for the listeners out there that that uh, yeah. It just uh, let's not let's not be almost judgmental sometimes because I don't know I might be going off on a rant here yeah but people who shift leadership roles or who do things differently from kind of the outside perspective right there, there's a lot there can be a lot of talk you know um, right. but I don't, that's so unhealthy for the church in, I, in general I, th- I think so too but it, it like I think it's great insight on our end of of where culture stands and Mm. where faith stands Mm. and like we have so much learning to do Mm. as as believers so just quick quick like right here is is like when kanye like released his his album right yeah jesus is uh i I was kind of saddened to see one people be so i guess uh judgmental and say oh we still don't love kanye because you know, like of his past life, like this doesn't uh, redeem stuff. And, yeah. but also like, it, it also goes to show that uh, we as believers, like we can really just love better. You For know? sure. Um, and I also noticed that, you know, all of a sudden for on, on the other end of things, when, when people really like accepted and embraced Kanye for, mm-hmm. for that Christian album, um, like all of a sudden they start showing him love, right? <laughs> you know, as opposed to like, really believing and praying for him like in the past yeah. type of thing. So yeah, yeah just uh, for sure. It's, it's, I think outside perspectives and not really taking time to digest like the internal story mm-hmm. uh, can, can lead to judgment. Um, I don't think it's everyone's intention all the time, but yeah. it's just, it could be like lack of awareness. Yeah. So but, uh, let me ask you, did, did you feel any, any sort of tension after you stepped down from your leadership role? Like in terms of, how people were treating you or anything like that? Uh, not, I don't know. Like no one really confronted me okay. about that and said, Hey, like, what are you doing? You need to do this type mm-hmm. of thing. But in, in the beginning, actually, like I, I did receive a lot of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also understanding with like a hint of, Hey, like when you're ready, just come back and serve. I see. You know, it's like, yeah. it wasn't fully like, okay, like we, we understand that this is a past season mm-hmm. of your life and, and, and perhaps God has transitioned you into something mm-hmm. different. Um, but it was always like, okay, like take your break and then we're expecting you to come back mm-hmm. type of mentality, which, which also like strained me a little bit as well, because yeah. it, it was always like, maybe, maybe people just expect me to, to come back to something that, you know, I feel that I'm not mm. really called to do, but, mm. and I'm not, I'm not ruling it out completely, but yeah. um, it's just the expectation. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I just hope everyone understands that everyone has different callings. It doesn't have to be again, within the four walls of the church. Right. Um, I, I actually feel like this podcast that I'm doing, um, although I'm not overtly like, Oh, this is a Christian podcast. I feel like this is something that I'm stewarding because God gave me. Right. And yeah, it's not within the context of the four walls of the church, but I also feel like this is just something that God gave me and, I, and I'm trying to steward as best as I can. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So oh, that, 
That's good to hear. Um, so with the ARC, I know we've been talking about ARC, but some people out there might not know what the ARC is. So can we just from the beginning, the, the inception, right? Some from the moment you said, "Hey, I want this. I want to start this thing called the ARC." Right. Like, can you kind of just take us through the journey of how it came to be what it is now? Yeah. So uh, it uh, it happened actually last summer, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just had this idea of creating this community through fitness. And in that season of life, like I ran a lot. So I was mm-hmm. like, man, I'd love to create something where running is involved. And I saw like in different cities and other places, like these run clubs are like popping off. And um, in Atlanta too, like there's a tons of run clubs mm-hmm. um, and, you know, mad love to all of them. Um, but I, I wanted to create something personally where uh, it, it was more of, like an event-based thing. Mm. Um, I think like what what makes ARC different is that we can kind of like create those experiences and we're not like, so just to uh, explain, ARC is like a pop-up running club. Mm-hmm. So we have like, we don't have like scheduled runs necessarily, but right. we have, uh, we operate like on a pop-up basis. So we can kind of curate events when we want to type of thing. And mm-hmm. I think eventually we'll go like monthly runs or something. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like e- even the style of how it operates, like we wanted to truly reflect our, our mission. And it was to kind of create this social running experience for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started because one, I had that idea. And, and two, that idea was developed through just conversations with, with friends. Um, John song, he was actually like one of the first to like really encourage me to like do it. Mm. Um, he was actually the, the original, uh, creative director of ARC, but, okay. um, just God's timing, different things happen, but, um, everything like shifted once, uh, Christian Haas really took, took the charge mm. to, to, um, to commit to the building of ARC. Um, and and he, he's like the creative slash marketing director. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's the creative director of ARC. And uh-huh. so, uh, basically what, oh, by the way, I don't know if you mentioned ARC stands for Atlanta run club. <laughs> stands for Atlanta run club. Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. we're 30 minutes into the podcast. Uh, ARC stands for Atlanta run club. Uh-huh. Uh, I met Christian last summer, uh-huh. uh, right after, right in the middle of just, forming the idea and he came to it was, it was a crazy story because he came to georgia uh as like a person looking for internship opportunities mm. uh, as he, he was an architect major in college and so instead of taking an internship like the traditional route he said to himself you know i'm going to come to atlanta and just look for creative projects to hop on and to to just help to build to create cool. and I linked up with him because he, he walked into my apartment to meet my roommate mm-hmm. and then on my way out and on his way in, I think, or something like that, uh, we had a quick conversation. We ended up meeting the next day for lunch Wow! and I told him, hey, like, I have this idea to create a run club mm-hmm. and, you know, with, with this type of structure and operation, but also uh, I feel like it needs to be like visually presented in a way that reflects our style which is kind of the urban hip-hop element and that's that's something that me and christian like always saw eye to eye on with like our our taste in hip-hop our taste in the urban culture of Mm. of uh you know wherever we're at so yeah from there it was just 
it was a game changer for for him to to really commit to everything and you know we we always had the continued support of of friends of um of even john and mm. and, and jen and, and just everyone that was there originally to to help build the process and attend the events mm. um yeah so wow so you literally just ran into a guy i ran into a guy <laughs> And yeah. you've recognized that he had certain skill sets and you said, hey, this matches up well with what what I want to do with ARC. Is that really just kind of? Yeah, yeah, happened? yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think it was to go deeper than that mm-hmm. is that me and Christian, we happened to link up when our mentalities and what we wanted for community was at like a high. Like mm-hmm. we were both hungry. You know, right. we, we were both wanting to create. We were both wanting to uh, to do something. Mm. And it was in that moment, like it was on that wavelength, we, we intersected. Wow. So it was kind of an intersection of you kind of knowing what you want to do vision-wise, what he right. wanted to do vision-wise, and having complementary skill sets, and you guys just meshed up well, right? Yep. Wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So So... How did you even know? Because in that moment where you met him, yeah, as he was leaving and as you were coming in, like the conversation I can't imagine was so long that you guys were able to talk about vision and like what he was looking for, what you were looking for, and all that, right? So, yeah, how did you even know to have that lunch with him to discuss? I mean, I was I was kind of in a season where uh, <clears throat> I was I was just networking and, and meeting with people heavily mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it just happened to be the right time. And and, and personally, I, I really wanted Christian to like to get plugged into the Atlanta community as well mm. since he was here short term. So, um, yeah, it's just we, we showed love to each other and just kind of grew from there. Wow. wow. So yeah. f- from what I've, I've known about the pop-up aspect of ARC, you guys have – you guys kind of show up at different locations, right? Yeah, You've yeah. done it at Sweet Hut. You've done it at uh, the Food Terminal. Food terminal, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. at uh, Patagonia, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I wanted, let me ask you about all three of those places. How, first of all, how did you get permission to meet at those locations? Mm-hmm. Like, who did you know how to contact and all that? And with Patagonia, how did you get into such a deep partnership with them? Because I know that it's not just them saying, okay, you can use our parking lot to run in, but right, they right. do like special sales, like when you guys have meetups and things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how did all that kind of unfold? Uh, so with Sweet Hut and Food Terminal, uh, w- with them, like, they're under the same ownership. So we really just reached out. Um, I forget how. Um, I-, I think, oh, yeah, it was through uh, KV. Okay. KV is a-, a friend of mine, and she actually works for Sweet Hut and okay. Food Terminal. Does some of the media for them. And so uh, it was just a conversation saying, hey, like, we have a group that wants to run. Can we just meet here and work out some kind of discount? We'll bring people over. Uh, so that's how that was set up. And so wait, was it that you looked at those locations and said, "This is where we want to run. Let's try to figure out how to make it work," or was it more just, "Who do we know that we can reach out to to get a space?" So. Uh, with that specifically, it was like, "Let's do a run on Beefford Highway mm. and let's meet somewhere where people are just familiar with to begin mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. so that it's not like the most difficult thing to to meet up." Right. So okay, so yeah. you, you knew the location. And you kind of just went through your Rolodex of contacts and said, oh, <laughs> this person might be able to get me plugged in with the owner. And is that kind of how, how, how that played out? Sort of. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it, we just needed permission to to meet there, like mm-hmm. in the little staircase slot, and mm-hmm. and just run from there. Yeah, and they also give discounts, right? For yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was that something that you had to like convince them of letting you do, or was uh, that... I mean, we just we just asked them because mm-hmm. uh, from from our perspective, like we we're just we we're intentionally bringing a lot of people yeah. to their business, mm-hmm. and so um, it was kind of an incentive on our end too for people coming to our run. Like, what can we do to kind of give back and, and return to right, it. right, yeah. Okay, so then how did the partnership with the Patagonia happen? So that actually happened because they um, they reached out to us, like, through Instagram. Wow. Yeah, which was crazy because, um, you know, part of what I talked about earlier, what, what me and Christian do and mm. uh, him kind of taking charge of creating that visual identity of, of ARC, mm-hmm. uh, he's super talented. If you haven't seen his work, definitely check it out. Um, but he, he wanted to do like a a photo shoot to promote like our first run. I mean, it seems like super extra, but it, we wanted to introduce ARC the way it needed to be introduced and, um, to do so with, you know, absolute like standards of, of excellence and just like having intention with Mm -hmm. what we're doing. And so we posted like this entire board of pictures on Instagram on our account and people saw it. And Patagonia was one of the people that saw it, like one of their store reps, David Campbell, who's like a really good friend of mine now. It's crazy. Uh, wow. He he reached out and said, hey, like, would you guys like to do like a run at our store? Mm-hmm. And we took that as an opportunity of, you know what, like, let's not just do like a regular meetup. Let's really take this opportunity to exercise the vision we had for ARC, which was to curate the the social event, to curate um, just the environment that we envision. And mm-hmm. so that's when we invited, uh, we are gook like Edmund, David Cho and Paul moon mm-hmm. to come out and kind of provide food for everybody. And they had a budget to do that as well. Wow. And we wanted like to get music in there. So we had friends like bring in something to, to spin mm-hmm. like for the night. Wow. So it was like a party we threw at, <laughs> at yeah. Patagonia and the run was just like the attachment to what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and we kind of wrapped it all in one, event wow so they reached out to you because of pretty much because of how professional your instagram looked right yeah you know every every person that that reaches out on kind of like that brand level um have have made the comment like because your visuals are like this or whatever uh we can tell that there's a lot of intention behind what you guys Mm. do and and that could be the one separating factor that that really opens doors yeah. for a collaboration. Yeah. For the listeners, if you want to see what we're talking about, just go follow Atlanta Run Club. That It's just at Atlanta Run Club, right? Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's not a single post that looks like it was unintentional. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like everything is so meticulously designed and placed and... Yeah, it's, it's super if if you didn't know any better you would think that it was like a multi-million dollar corporation <laughs> doing it right yeah so oh wow that's that's good to know that's that's a real good nugget there just um knowing how to present yourself to the outside world to attract people to you i think that's really important especially for community building right 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 yeah mm-hmm. so with with patagonia um I, I know you guys used your space um and they they did like special deal like sales for you guys after right, right. the run right yeah was that just they just 
we're okay with that because Patagonia is a huge company. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of corporate rules and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Is that something they do often or? Uh, I think I think for a lot of their community events, they they open that door for mm. them. But uh, just knowing David definitely helped. Wow. Um, we, we I mean we took time to to just really build, and he definitely helped out mm. on that end. So yeah. the, I, I want to focus in on a little bit of uh, like how you structure your pop up runs um, for yeah. anyone interested in joining, because I've been to one of them. Um, the timing was bad because when you guys are really ramping up with, with the 5k, which we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, my daughter was born like a few days before, so I couldn't make it to that. But the one run that I did go to, it was at Sweet Hut and it was the run itself. I want to say that the, the name Atlanta run club might intimidate people. Yeah. yeah. It makes it sound like you must be some crazy (laughs) runner. Yeah. But the run itself was pretty low key. Uh, People have, wide range of skills or or endurance or enthusiasm even and i i would say the highlight of the night wasn't the run itself but it was afterwards when we were all sitting inside sweetheart just like kind of yeah hanging out with people talking yeah it was that is that kind of intentional is that how all the pop-ups are are set up yeah for sure we we definitely want to create that 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 post-run kind of platform to where Mm. people can engage converse and meet people and Mm exchange numbers like whatever whatever comes out of it yeah and you, even before the run when you guys do the community like stretching and, and yeah, all yeah, that, yeah yeah is that all kind of part of the whole community building yeah aspect? yeah for sure for that's sure right, right. wow so if if someone's listening to this and they have no idea what the pop-ups are like um should they be intimidated if they are someone who don't really get into fitness as much uh I hope not. I mean, I hope that I know sometimes like the way we present ourselves, like visually it, it can look intimidating and sometimes even the name can look intimidating. But uh-huh. uh, I, I really hope that people uh, who who don't really run, mm. who, who hate running, but know that exercise is important to them. I hope they come out too. And, that, and the social aspect helps yeah. <clears throat> for that. Um, a lot of run clubs actually have that social element of, hey, come run with us and, and just have a drink afterwards mm-hmm. or just hang out afterwards. Because uh, that, that social experience becomes either a, an incentive or a potential um, bridge to getting someone to come out mm-hmm. to run, to mm-hmm. participate in the exercise activity. And we're not out here trying to train like professional runners or trained professional athletes we just want people to to have a good time and and exercise yeah together i think the distance for the run when i was there was somewhere around two miles two to three miles yeah yeah a couple miles yeah so it's it's not a huge time kind commitment either because i mean two miles you don't really need to be an athlete to do that right so yeah, yeah, and we had some people like walk some of it too, mm. walk most of it. it. Yeah, it doesn't. We're not we're not keeping track of of your time or really pushing you to run faster mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, we just hope to build some accountability, and you know, we want it to be challenging, right? right? Uh, just achieve it together. Yeah. So if if you're out there thinking I, I need to do something physical because I know that's good for me, but I haven't had the incentive or the motivation to do it. I think coming out to a pop-up for uh, ARC would be a really good first step um, just to kind of get your feet wet and kind of, un- kind of figure out other people out in the community um, running as well and just meet them and, and eventually become accountable to each other and, and push each other. Yeah, I think yeah. That would be sure. a really amazing picture, right? Mm-hmm. 
so then yeah uh, so you did starting january or sorry starting what, around june july of 2018 you started doing these pop-ups right right and then it i kind of want to say culminated to this huge 5k that you guys threw uh this summer summer of 2019 yeah yeah right mm-hmm. you called it the what did you call it uh the buhai united 5k yeah so how did that come about was that just something you knew you eventually wanted to do or was that something you kind of figured out along the way uh, <clears throat> as long as, you know, we can exercise the original vision and mm-hmm. what we want, um, we're all for scaling to just something bigger. And that's how we kind of approached it is that this 5k is, <clears throat> is not any different from like the pop-up runs we've done. It's just, it just happens to be more people, a little more organized mm. type of thing. But, uh, yeah, the, the way that was organized was crazy too, because, uh, personally, I have no experience in running like a race or mm. directing a race. So we actually kind of did some, some research and I, I reached out to a couple people like on Facebook, like it was just random. And so people you didn't know? People I didn't know. It was wow. just a random group. And, huh. um, I said, Hey, uh, I found this group called like race directors in, in America or something like that. And I, I sent a message. I posted like, Hey, is anyone in Atlanta willing to like meet up for some coffee. Like I just have questions. I didn't like at that point, I wasn't really committed to the idea of mm. hosting a 5k. Um, but I, I messaged, I, I posted on, on the group wall and few people like messaged me back or responded. And mm. some guy was like, Hey, like I'll come out if you pay for my flight. And I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the, the guys that was really helpful, mm. uh, I met it with too. I met it with this guy named Paul and then, um, second person I met up with, uh, his name's Sloan, who, mm-hmm. um, who I'm, I'm good friends with now. And I see on a regular basis, but with Sloan, uh, we met up at Starbucks in Ansley mall, mm-hmm. like in, in the city midtown. And, um, it started out with him just kind of explaining and answering my questions about what it takes to like direct a race and run a race. Mm-hmm. And then, he was super helpful, like very nice and genuine about it. And then towards the end of the conversation, he, he says, you know, like I also have a small business that operates and directs races. And so um, if you guys are interested, like we could definitely work together and, and do something. Wow. Yeah. So I actually took that offer because I said, you know, we have no idea how to operate this 5K logistically, mm. yeah. but what ARC can do and what I believe that like our uh, our supporters can do is, is really help like create like the overall experience but also market and brand and create the necessary steps to do wow. that so that's where we teamed up and he kind of helped a lot with that which took care of like a lot of the permitting a lot of the logistics mm-hmm. kind of the race registrations uh it was important to us that we kind of just put it together efficiently mm-hmm. the first year mm-hmm. And I know you had a lot of like corporate backing. I know Lululemon got involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the the nonprofit of We Love Buhai. Buhai, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, with them, did you think up this idea for a five k and approach them about it, or how, how did that partnership? Uh, we we approached We Love Buhai because uh-huh. uh, I just I loved what they were doing, and mm. I would say that if there was a specific community that. ARC focuses on it's the the Beehive community of the greater Atlanta area mm. uh, because it's it's such a unique like diverse kind of rich culturally area yeah 
Um, <clears throat> right now, a lot of the, the richness of, of culture is expressed through different cuisines. Like people know right. Bihai as like, oh, there's like the Mexican food, the, the Asian food, whatever. But um, there wasn't an outlet to experience that diversity through fitness or through social experiences. Mm. So um, we really wanted to create that like in that community through mm. ARC. Buhai, by the way, so, is a shortened version of a Buford, Buford Highway, Highway. Buford Highway in that yeah, adorable yeah. area. In the adorable area, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's uh, where all the good like uh, <laughs> bubble tea places are. Right, all right, the good right. fall places. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so in, in that time, um, I, you know, I was talking to uh, my friend Eric, Eric Sun, and he was saying, "Hey, you should meet uh, Marion, the founder of We Love Buhai, for like potential collabs down the road." Mm. And um, I just never like neither of us really got around to it until mm. like the 5k kind of came up and I thought to myself, man, we could really like do this. So I, I sent an email to Marion and she agreed to, to meet up um, wow. and the collaboration was established then with them. Oh, so I, I'm picking up that a lot of the success that you've had is just you recognizing um, at what points you need help and reaching out to people that can provide that help. W would you agree with that? Uh, I, we definitely need help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we, we wouldn't have been able to do this without the collaborations. And I, I kind of see the 5k as literally the last step of what we been trying to do, mm. you know? So it wasn't just like zero to hundred. It was like 99 to hundred. Like, right. Let's, let's really, uh, build the foundation. And then when the time is right, mm. um, even though it feels like there's so many steps ahead of us, let's just push through it and see what we can do. Mm. And I didn't mean to say that you guys like are in dire need of help. Like, <laughs> yeah, putting yeah. ARC down in any we way. do, we do <laughs> we need help, <laughs> but it's just admirable to see, um, cause visionaries, um, being able to kind of pull people in to help fulfill their vision is what really makes them their visions come to life. Right. Mm, and just yeah. kind of hearing your story, like at every kind of point you, you, you were able to say, okay, I need help in this area and this person seems to be good at it. So let me, let me reach out. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that not a lot of people are good at. Um, just, uh, just even getting to a place of saying, maybe I need help or guidance in this area is, is a really like humble thing to do, like mm. anti arrogant thing to do. Right. So, that's awesome. Wow. And so with the 5K, because I wasn't, I wasn't there, I've heard a lot about it. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of great pictures. But can you kind of paint for us what the atmosphere was like? What what the Because it wasn't just a run the 5K and go home, right? It was right. like a multi-day thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I definitely took a lot of notes like for, for the next time around. Uh -huh. um, but we, yeah, we decided to make it like a, a three-day thing where um i mean for those of you that are listening who have ran a 5k before like the common experience is maybe a couple days before or a week before like you have these designated areas to pick up your bib number mm -hmm. which is kind of like your your race id number that you can use um it's tracked during the race um and and every runner needs to have it on them when they run the race it's it's mm -hmm. also like uh and i an indication that you've registered and, and whatever. So um, we wanted to make days where people can pick that up, but also, again, make make it a social experience. Like have more of the music and food and different different options for that. And then um, Sunday was race day. So we had Friday, Saturday as like the race bib pickup nights mm -hmm. and added more of a social flair to it. And then on Sunday, we 
had the race wow. in the evening. Yeah. And were there like other vendors there or people doing other things or was it just all race focused? Yeah. So we love Buhai. They actually took care of a lot of the race day vendors on Sunday. And mm. then uh, Friday, Saturday, we actually invited um, every past collaboration we had like throughout the year mm. to come to the space to have like a like a demo table or whatever mm. um, because we really wanted this to feel like just a continuation of what we've been doing as opposed to we're just dropping something new right on somebody right yeah. oh wow and so was patagonia there or did they have a prize? um patagonia didn't uh so so lulu actually ended up being kind of the headline like sponsor yeah. behind it so yeah. you know when when brands come in like that uh one brand really just needs to have the dominance over yeah. over the event right right um to kind of market and so it was actually like we we had to intentionally like keep it focused on lulu mm. for the whole night mm. for the whole three-day weekend mm. um and so yeah so how did that happen did was it lulu who reached out to you guys again or did you kind of have to reach out to them or yeah no they uh they reached out to wow. us yeah it's crazy because um what happened was uh i mean if i if i was to really break down the detail of it is we atlanta run club um when it first started i met one of like my really good friends now like homie, his name is bam mm -hmm. he actually is the leader of pond city market run club and they mm -hmm. meet every wednesday night to to go on a run and um I met Bam right around the time my ARC started mm -hmm. and me and Bam, we, we just like, it, he was literally like my mirror image of just, yo, let's bring the community together. Wow. Let's host events. Uh, and he was just always down to just like work together. And then, um, we, we actually ended up doing the whole like Adidas campaign thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was part of that too. And so we just naturally like always just intersected roads because we were trying to do something for Atlanta through fitness, mm. through social events and, um, always down to collab, always down to work together. So he actually, um, I forget who reached out first, but I linked up with him and he works for Lululemon. Oh. Yeah, he works for Lululemon. So at a certain point, um, his his boss, or I guess like the in the world of Lululemon, there's like these nine designated mavens, mm -hmm. which across the world they're basically like community. They call, they like to say community disruptors uh -huh. instead of community like directors. It's a very specific terminology of what can Lulu do to to really help radically like change and build this community mm. type of mentality and mm. so that person asher um he came to an arc and pcm run club social that we hosted mm. about it almost a year ago it was december 2018 we we held the social at pond city market right and asher was there and he he just came in and said you know oh you guys are doing awesome things like and that was like a year ago and then mm. fast forward a few months um asher wanted to come to one of our runs mm. like our arc run so he came out and ran with us and had a good time and the timing was just perfect because lulu actually was on this agenda of investing into different events mm. that highlighted the two topics of running and multicultural diversity so they they wanted to support events that were happening in the greater Atlanta area that mm. that really uh, stuck to those two things.
I see. Um, yeah. And so ARC, it just happened again. He Asher bringing up the comment of, "Hey, you guys seem very like intentional with what you're doing, and you guys have done these events before. Mm. Um, let us help you." And mm. and Asher's like a, a good friend of mine now too, and uh, I really appreciated Asher a lot, and still do obviously because he he took a lot of time to listen to the story of Buhai. The story mm-hmm. of just the um, the context of Beaufort Highway and the, and the people there, the immigrants, and my background as a Korean American, and how you know we kind of fit into the fitness scene. And he like every time I met up with Asher, like it was at a Beaufort Highway restaurant, wow. you know, and and like he just I, I felt very like uh, genuinely just respected and, and mm. taken care of in that regard. So and, and that he really wanted to know about he it. really wanted to know about it, mm-hmm. and it was so cool to see it happen from a big brand like yeah. Lulu, you know, where yeah. you kind of have this mentality that they're big corporate, which they are, but it shows how personable and relatable they can be. Mm. So I met with Asher several times. And then, um, at a certain point he was like, yeah, like, we'll just fund the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> crazy, yeah. So, I mean, did they, I know you guys, you did kind of the giveaway for the Lulu lemon shirts. Yeah. Yeah. So that was all just provided for like you got, you didn't have to purchase purchase any of that. They just gave it to you. It was just provided. Yeah. Wow. So how much easier did that make the logistics of the run? Having uh, a corporate backing like that. Oh, f- for sure, a lot easier, mm-hmm. especially for our first one because mm-hmm. financially it was it was helpful to get um, the people we needed on board to get all the resources, mm-hmm. like little things like displays and tents that you know we couldn't like really afford because we weren't making money off of right. pop up runs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was very helpful, and and also just having a a brand acknowledge like what we do mm. on that level was was amazing too. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's that tells me that kind of puts into context what I saw in the pictures because mm. it was such a huge thing. It wasn't, I mean, nothing on the the pop up runs, but the pop up right. runs are a lot more low key, right? Right, right. But yeah, like you were saying, there were tents, people in like matching shirts, uh, like people. I think I saw a DJ at one point doing stuff. Is that? Yeah. 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 So, wow. So (laughs) all of that was because, um, well, that kind of goes back to your relationship with Christian, having the intentional uh, vision of wanting to present yourself a certain way to the world. Right. And that kind of attracted people. And and, and before we get too far off, um, you kind of touched on the Adidas campaign that you did. Mm -hmm. So can you explain a little bit about what that was about? Because I saw the picture. I saw that it was Adidas, but I don't don't really know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really cool too. um, There's a a third-party agency called Camp Grizzly Mm -hmm. that um, they are very close to the Adidas running department and just the brand itself. So they do a lot of projects for Adidas. Uh And for some reason they chose Atlanta to be the city where they wanted to campaign like the, the 2019 ultra boost mm. shoe. So, wow. um, again, like through Instagram, like they like sent a message to, uh, they reached out to me and bam uh-huh. first and said, Hey, like, uh, it seems that you guys are kind of running with, with people in Atlanta. You guys are kind of creating the events of, of bringing people to, to run socially, whatnot. Mm. Um, so, are you guys interested in participating in this campaign? And, uh, can you, can you like direct us to people that might be interested as well? Like that was, that was really the baseline conversation. And wow. I messaged Pam, I was, did you get this email too? And, um, that's when, Oh yeah, I got it. And, um, 
it was, yeah, it was very vague mm. in the beginning. And then once we like kept taking a step towards commitment, they, mm. they really started to like reveal like what the project was. Mm. And we're like, wow, this is like amazing. Mm. And so uh, basically what happened was for, for four days straight, um, they hired me, Bam, and eight other people in Atlanta. Mm. Um, some we recommended, others they kind of found on their own too. So uh, they they hired a total of ten people to to run across the city of Atlanta. And I mean, it was crazy because we were it was an entire production crew. Like Cam Grizzly shot for like Dwayne Johnson, like LeBron. Like I mean, it's wow. it's like legit stars that they shot for. Yeah. And so uh, it, it was it was crazy to see like an entire production crew basically take pictures to campaign for like a shoe. Wow. Um, and that was done over the course of like four days. Uh-huh. And um, after the pictures were taken, they told us it'd be released across like the Adidas stores in the States. Wow. Yeah. So is your picture in like... Th- yeah, yeah. I, I wow. saw myself in uh, in Los Angeles, in like New Jersey, New York. Yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Wow. So yeah, yeah. the part of you that wants to continue to build this community and to, to stand for fitness and all that yeah, yeah. kind of was a no-brainer, right? Kind of you just, oh, if, if you're doing this campaign, I, I want I want in on it. Is that kind of the decision-making process? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw it as a really cool opportunity. I, I didn't know what <clears throat> it really was at mm-hmm. first until we like got there and they like call us on the phone and like we got to experience it firsthand. Um, that's when it like really hit a lot of us. And wow. um, it's cool though. Cause the, the 10 people that were chosen, like they're all pretty active, like mm. in the fitness scene of Atlanta. So we've, we've all like collabed together. We've mm. done stuff e- like even after like all that happened. Wow. Um, wow. So it's been great for us too. We, we still keep in touch. Oh, that's awesome. Chat, yeah. So there's, more people in your network now <laughs> and you can potentially do do other stuff within the future mm-hmm. wow so so we, we talked about arc and i know that's a big part of who you are and it, it's a way that you're kind of manifesting your desire to be this community builder yeah but you have a lot of different aspects of your life right we, we touched on your faith but also kind of your your day job if, if i can call it that you're uh-huh. you're, you're a pt yeah right? mm-hmm. a physical is that physical therapist yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so can you talk about a little bit about that and how because it seems to align really well like everything you've done right, in your right. life whether it be youth director whether it be pt whether like the director of arc they're all kind of you can kind of draw threads to each other and say oh it makes sense that he's doing that right, right. so i mean was uh like physical therapy something you you always kind of knew you wanted to do or how did that come about yeah, so with PT, um, it, it was just a way for for me to exercise what I I just love doing, which is to mm-hmm. to help others really in their fitness journey and getting better, getting stronger, and it's almost like it's almost like ministry in a way, you know, like mm-hmm. you you meet somebody and they're at point A and you're just trying to get them and walk with them and build with them to point B, right. Um, so, yeah, I always loved the aspect of PT. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, I, I I love the industry, but I, I also saw a place for me on just a different scale. Mm-hmm. Like not so much of being in the standard industry and treating patients like 15, 20 people a day and kind of mm-hmm. moving on from that and going home and like living the rest of my life. But 
I really hope to use what I've, I've learned as a PT and project that more on a scale of community fitness and wellness, which is what ARC mm. has been. Yeah. And so I know uh, we've talked about this in the past and I know you can't reveal any names, but you've had some high profile clients uh, uh, that you've worked with, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it mainly just uh, like recovery stuff or is it uh, what, what does your work entail? Yeah, so it uh, the the fundamental idea of PT is let's help you move better, let's mm. help you get stronger. Let's you know, especially if you have pain, that's where we kind of come in, and uh, that's what the the three years of education has kind of helped us mm. manage. Is uh, not just not with just people that want to get stronger and move better and recover whatever but that have that might have pain mm. that kind of deals with that mm. um or even if they don't have pain if they just have like athletic performance goals we can work with them too mm. but um you definitely have to do like your part and your end of furthering your education to like position yourself to to really like be able to treat to whatever capacity that you you see right because there's so many settings of pt right you can be like in a hospital like acute care icu which is on one end of the spectrum and mm. then on the other end like you could be like a pt for like the los angeles lakers or some uh, professional team uh -huh. so it's very different uh and a lot of those jobs that you get offers for like out of school like it might not be exactly what you want to do like with your expertise so mm. it's all about i don't know just positioning yourself to um, to really educate yourself further and to, to build with the right people hmm. to do what you want. Okay. Yeah. And, and the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because again, it does align well with your kind of fitness uh, minded visions and, mm -hmm. and all that. But right now you're actually not um, currently employed in a PT setting, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's because it has a lot to do with the future of ARC. Can you can we get into that a little bit? Yeah, 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 for sure. And so uh, we've had this opportunity to actually um, expand ARC into like a physical space mm. to ser serve as like a headquarters um, and to really offer like the whole fitness, like running thing uh, just onto the next level of mm. what we saw. And uh, the, the space really just serves as an opportunity for us again to do what it, I kind of treat it as a 5k to do what we've already been doing, which is to host events. But, um, it, it really eliminates that barrier of us constantly having to like go out and, and find a venue or, mm. or whatever. We can just do more things at home, like for, for the group, uh, right. for the people that come out to run. And, um, we, we also see it really as like almost like an event space too mm. to where um, we want to do everything like music and fitness, creativity related. Uh, because if you were to ask me like the two elements that really define ARC at its core, it's fitness and creativity. Mm. Um, I say creativity because it, it's been a platform for people like Christian to kind of experience the fitness element through creativity through art through mm. photography through videography and all that too um, and so that space is really going to be a platform for those two things to to thrive do you know when that space is going to like kind of officially open yeah so it's uh it's actually being constructed right now and it's going to open probably like february okay with like a like launch yeah like a launch party type of thing like cool. mid-january hmm. yeah yeah wow so i i I was really glad to hear that you were doing this mm -hmm. um, 
we had a conversation about this before the podcast recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really aligns well with kind of this uh, movement, quote unquote, that I am trying to launch. It's not really a movement because <laughs> there's not even a name for it. But I really want to encourage people, especially in the second generation Asian yeah. American community, to chase passions more than chasing like stability in finances for sure i mean I, both are admirable i mean having being financially stable is admirable it's not a bad thing but i think sometimes we fall into that part of the chase yeah. and we really neglect passion to the point where we don't even really know what our passions are right you know so the fact that you have well you're not completely giving up pt right you're you're you've kind of put it on hold so that you can focus on your passion project which is arc yeah and um i, I think that's just really amazing because not a lot of people in our community can even do that right right you know so i mean so i want to ask you what is it that you find your passion and your your desire to build community that much more important that you've kind of put your day day job on hold or like well what what made you okay with the decision to say okay i'm gonna stop working for a little bit so that i can build this space um Man, it's uh, such a a deep question for me, but it comes down to the fact that I, I would rather I would rather fail mm. than have regret. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think in yeah. uh, to to your point about saying you know a lot of not a lot of people can can pursue after their passions. I, I think a lot of them can. Mm. It's just a matter of will they take the the step to do so right that, and that leap of faith right it's a huge leap of faith yeah. for sure um because there there's not a day that goes by man where i like i get scared too of like man what if this doesn't work out or uh what if you know this doesn't happen the way i envision but um <clears throat> you know from again from a believer standpoint we all know faith to be uh acting in spite of those doubts mm. and things not that it eliminates like doubt and worries but it's really acting like through that and and just right just believing that that god already has a story written for you so whether you take this like risk or, or step whatever mm. uh it's it's already in the plan wow it works yeah oh that's so are, are still are the people that like christian um your friend bam all those all those people that have kind of been part of your journey in creating rc are they still involved with um the whole space, like the physical space and all that. Yeah, 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 for okay. sure. So Christian is uh, actually creating like the entire branding element of, of the new space, mm. um, the interior design. This is where his architect degree comes in handy and he's, wow. he's like designing the space. Um, and, and, you know, people like Bam, like, yeah, he's going to help with like run classes out of there mm. and just be the center of like, curating the events because mm. he's also a rapper he makes music too so oh, wow. this is like a good space for for people like him uh, especially who, who have been so supportive of arc like since the beginning mm. to again like extend their passions but maybe a space was like their barrier into mm. really taking the next step into their passions yeah um so yeah wow that's i feel like it's all like kind of coming full circle because yeah. <laughs> i mean you mentioned christian's architect degree in the beginning of the podcast and now that right, he's, right. he's getting to <laughs> utilize it that's that's amazing um but before we close out uh, anything that uh i missed that you wanted to kind of talk about or or discuss not really i just uh i, I really hope that uh people 
you know, it's a reminder to myself too. We'll just, um, just not be afraid to just try, mm. you know, even if you fail, yeah. it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a message uh, <laughs> I fully endorse. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, what is the best way for people to kind of keep updated with uh, ARC pop-ups and, and the, the progress of, of your space and all that? Yeah. So as it, as it develops, I really just follow, following our Instagram page mm. at Atlanta run club. That's mm. where we do a majority of our announcements. And we also have an email thread. If you go on our website, atlantarunclub.com, you can sign up for just notifications announcements mm. of when our next run is. Okay. But you know, it's been a whole process too, is really organizing that system of communication as opposed to just posting something on IG. So um, right. as we develop that, it'll get better. Okay, cool. So yeah, guys, make sure to follow Atlanta Run Club. And also um, your personal Instagram page, uh, Dr. James Rowe, or Dr. James Rowe. Mm -hmm. You post up a lot of really helpful videos of uh, like PT stuff, like little exercises you can do to alleviate pain or, mm -hmm. or to do things better, you know, and things like that. So uh, yeah, follow both accounts because ARC, you, you'll, uh, yeah, you can get plugged into the community um, and yeah, James's personal account always gives really good fitness tips here and there. So uh, I would go follow both. Um, if you guys want to connect uh, with him and uh, you know, talk more with him um, or you want to send him a message or anything, you can do it through those Instagram pages. Or if you would rather email me and you want me to relay the message, I'm more than happy to do so. It, uh, you can email me at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com. That's I hope to hear this abbreviated at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at I hope to hear this or follow me on Twitter at IHTHT podcast. Um, any closing words before we, we, we sign out? Uh, no. Nah. Nah. <laughs> okay. I always like to give people the opportunity to do that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And um, yeah, James, I just want to say I'm really excited to see what Atlanta Run Club does. I'm really hoping to make it out to the next 5K. So uh, yeah, for uh, sure. For I'll, sure. I'll, I'll definitely be there. I apologize. I couldn't be there for the first no, one. You're good. All right, guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.